We'd also like to welcome our viewers on internet on Breast of Israel, breslev.co.il. Thank you for joining us. We're continuing today the Shia on Hilchos Ben Odom Lachaveru. Bezos Hashem will be speaking today about the mitzvah of Tzdoka. And in the coming two weeks, we're going to be speaking about Hilchos Chanukah. The general mashgiach of the program, Reb Mordechai Naim Shlita, asked me if I could please speak about Hilchos Chanukah. So we will be giving Chanukah Shiurim two weeks before Hanukkah in preparation for the Hanukkah coming up. We're going to be continuing the mitzvah of tzedakah. The last thing we spoke about last week, we spoke about how important it is to give a person the things that he needs. We brought the Gemara in Tractate Ketubis on the 67th page, second side, where the Gemara says, it brings a story of Hillel Hazoken, who was at the time, he was considered to be one of the most important sages in Amisrael. He was a president of Amisrael. And in that time, the president, he was a descendant. Hillel Hazoken, he was a descendant from David HaMelech. He was not only one of the biggest Hamedi Chachomim, we have many quotations in his name in the Gemara, and we know that there's a whole group of Talmidim known as Beit Hillel. But he was also the spiritual and the practical, physically, the, the, the actual leader of Am Yisrael, the most important and most prominent person in Am Yisrael in those times. And the Gemara there says that Hillel Hazoken knew a poor person who came from a very rich and important family. And Hillel Hazoken tried to give him everything that he needed as part of that stock. One of the things that he wanted, he needed a horse to ride on and a slave to run in front of him announcing, Here, here, Mr. So-and-so is coming, make way, make way. And says the Gemara that one day when Hillel Hazoken couldn't find someone to run in front of his horse, he himself ran in front of his horse for a distance of three miles. Reb Chaim Shmuel said, we spoke about this last week, that this poor man must have been an imbecile. He must have been completely mentally indeficient. I mean, something was wrong with him. Can you imagine a normal human being allowing the president of Ami Stroyal, one of the biggest Torah sages of that time, a descendant of King David's family to run in front of his horse and to announce, here, here, Mr. So-and-so is coming, and yet this poor person allowed for that to happen. And even though, says Abraham Shmuel Levitz, this poor man was obviously mentally deranged, an imbecile, an idiot, it didn't make a difference. Hillel Hazoken still ran in front of him. Why? Because that's what he needed. And that teaches us that even though, and we brought this last week, the Ramah brings in Yoredea, in Siman, Reishnum Tet, he says that this halacha applies to Gaba'i Tzedakah. This halacha doesn't apply to us as private people. It, it applies to the general directors of a Tzedakah fund that when they come to give Tzedakah, they've got to look at the previous situation and what everyone needs. But what does this come to teach us? When we see someone who is in need and who's asking for something that we think might be ridiculous, don't mock him. Don't make fun. If you can help, help. For example, if you see someone coming and saying, I am collecting money for a dune buggy. Excuse me? A dune buggy? Yes. We used to have a dune buggy, and then my father went bankrupt, and he sold his dune buggy, and I need a dune buggy. That's what I need. Now, a normal human being would look at it and say to him, are you normal? You want me to give my money that I get here as an avrech? You want me to give you my shkole, my dollars, to buy a dune buggy? 
And the answer is, even though you're not obligated to give him, understand where the need comes from. Tzedakah means, filling the need of he who is in need. And many times it's things that we cannot comprehend or can't understand, but we have to know that is the mitzvah, to make sure that he gets what he needs. It is extremely important when one gives tzedakah to give it with a smile, to give it in a nice way. If I give you even a thousand dollars and I say, oh, again, you're coming to beg me for money. Tell me, when are you going to go and work, you parasite? When are you going to stop burdening me? You're a leech. Leave me alone. Okay, take the money and just go away. Okay, I've given him a thousand dollars, but he will leave with such a negative feeling that the mitzvah wasn't done properly at all. And the Gomorrah says this specifically. The Gomorrah says in Tractate Baba Batra, on the ninth page, second side, that he who gives docker to an Oni, if you give charity to a poor person, you get six blessings. But if you smile to him, if you treat him with respect, even if you didn't give him a single penny, you get 11 blessings. Which means the way you treat a person is much more important than what you give him. And we see something very similar in uh, the Gomorrah in Tractate Kiddushin on the 31st side, the Gomorrah brings it at the end of the first side and at the beginning of the second side. The Gomorrah there says about the mitzvah of Kibbut Avaim, respecting your parents, that a person can respect his parents by giving them everything that they want, but he won't do it with a smile. He'll do it with a grudge. He'll do it with a grunt. He'll be upset about it. He'll project his negative feelings to his parents. And not only will he not be rewarded for that, he'll be punished. And a person can give his father some dry bread, but that's all he has. But give it to him with a smile and say to him, Father, please, I put this aside for you. Please eat so you can have some strength. You can have some power. And he will be rewarded for that as if he gave his father a feast like Solomon's feast at his time. Why? Because the way we treat people is much more important than what we give them. People need to be treated properly more than they need to be aided and helped. And that is something that we learn. It's very difficult for us to understand this because we, it's difficult for us to understand what a human being really needs. But if we think of ourselves, take of ourselves in, in all different situations in life. Imagine if we're now going to our parents and we ask them for help. I need some help. I got into a financial problem. I need my father now to give, him, to, to give me some aid, some financial aid to give me some money. I can go to my father and if he can say to me, he can say to me, listen, you know, Elchanan, I'd really love to give you. I, I just don't have the money. I'm, I'm really sorry. If something comes up, I promise you will be the first one I'm going to think about. Currently, I have nothing to give you. I leave with a good feeling. My father tried to help me. He couldn't, but he spoke to me nicely and respectfully and he didn't embarrass me. I can go to my father who can be extremely rich and he can say to you, again, you're coming to me. Again, tell me, when will you learn to manage your property and your business properly? You are such a mishap. How could I have such a son like you? Okay, what do you need now? What, what, what do you need? You need 50,000? Take 50,000. Please do me a favor. Just, just go. Just go. Leave me alone. He gave me $50,000. But the feeling? I mean, I feel like a piece of dirt. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, 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 he trampled me and he squished me and he made me feel like I'm worth nothing. And the Gomorrah says, even though he gave me $50,000, he's not going to be rewarded for that. In the best case scenario, he gets six blessings. 
In the first story that I told you about the father that had nothing, he'll get 11 blessings. See how important it is to give something to someone with a proper respect, with a smile, with understanding where the need comes from. Now, we can do that every single time. I'll give you a simple example. A person knocks on your door and asks for tzedakah. Do you know what the most simple way to do, the most simple thing to do to make him feel good? Shalom Aleichem, can I please offer you something to drink? Would you like to use the restroom? You don't know how long he's been out there for. He might, have, he, he, might be, he might be going around circling different houses already for two hours. He might not have had anything to drink. He might need badly to go to the bathroom and no one has offered him that simple human necessity. How will he feel if, you know, Shalom Aleichem, how are you doing? Can I offer you something to drink? Would you like please to use the restroom? It's a completely different outlook. Even if you gave him a shekel because that's all you had, a shekel, you still get 11 blessings. And that's something that we can do every single time we give charity. Give it with a smile, with an understanding, with a brocha. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu bless you with abundance and may you be one of the people who give and not one of the people who take. One can always give a brocha. It is very important also that whenever you don't have the financial needs, and this happens a lot of times, Many times we're asked to give charity and we simply don't have money. I need the money now. I have five shekel fifty. I need it for the bus fare. I don't have anything. But the Pasuk says, Al Yashov Dach Nichlam. It says it in Tehillim in the, 20, in, the, in the 74th chapter, 21st verse. Al Yashov Dach Nichlam means try never to turn someone poor away without giving him anything. Always try and give him a small coin. Now the Shulchan Aruch Paskans this. This is Paskan for Halacha. In your Adair, in Siman Reish Mem Tet, 249. Now, we have to be very prudent about this halach. Why? What the halach is actually saying, always give something even if, you know, even if you can't give. But there are certain cases, certain scenarios, that if you give him a coin, not only will he not be happy, but he'll be upset. He'll feel you embarrassed him. Imagine now the only coin that you have in your pocket is ten agarot. Okay, it's the equivalent of, let's say, of two or three cents. Imagine if now someone knocks on your door and asks for tzedakah and you take two or three cents out of your pocket and you say, here, this is what I have. Prophet, please take it. The average response of most people would be, excuse me? Take your coins back. Or, if as the joke goes, the, 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 the guy who's asking for charity might say to you, excuse me, I don't take money from peers to my profession. Okay? <laughs> Keep the money. So we've got, to be, we've got to be very, very careful about what we do. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam She'akol Nihya Bidvaro If we take, for example, in Eretz Yisrael, giving a shekel is considered to be something which is absolutely fine. Even if you walk around in different shuls and you give half a shekel, half a shekel is also fine. Less than half a shekel is considered to be disrespectful. So if you don't have half a shekel to give, better not to give. Better to say to him, listen, I'm, I'm really sorry, I don't have any money to give you. Now, one's got to be very careful not to lie. In other words, if you have money that you need to use it, don't say to him, I'm sorry, I don't have any money. That's not true. You do have money. I'm sorry, I don't have any money to give you. Notice, I didn't lie. I have money, but I don't have money to give you. I need the money for something else. But... 
if you don't have enough, better to just smile, apologize. But whatever happens, never disrespect someone who's asking for charity and also never ignore. There's some people, now this is very difficult. There's some people who, you know, people come to Mfatzdoka. I see them when I go to Daven in the different shuls, the people who come and collect Doka. And there's some people who their way of dealing with this situation is ignoring it. He's standing there, gazing at the wall. The guy's going, you know, sticking his hand in his face, shaking the coins in one ear, two ears, you know, performing a dance. Nothing. The guy is completely focused at the wall in front of him. That's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. It's not nice. It's not the way to treat a human being. You don't have anything to give him or you feel that you don't want to give him because he doesn't come off to you as someone who's necessarily in need or you might not have enough money. Say to him, I'm sorry, I don't have anything to give you. Batzloch. Wish him good luck. What? A fellow Jew. Wish him batzloch. Yes. If you're davening, the question was, if you're davening and someone asks you for charity, are you allowed to give him tzedakah in that case? Well, the halacha deals with that very clearly. There are places you're allowed to stop, there are places you're not allowed to stop. If, for example, it's in Psuke de Zimra, yes, you're allowed to stop, you're allowed to give him a coin. If it's in the middle of Kriyas Shema, no, you're not allowed to stop. Yes, yes. The thing is like this, the thing is that also it depends who. If we're talking about someone from, who comes into a shul, who knows the halachas, normally when they see that people are saying Kriyashma, they won't do anything. They'll stand at the side, wait till you're finished, and only then come up to you. If he comes up to you and is from, yeah, in order not to embarrass him, you can say to him, hmm, hmm, he'll already understand. If it's someone who's not from, just say to him, don't ignore him, okay? The halacha allows us, what? Even in Kriyashma, the halacha says that if someone doesn't know the halachas and he addresses you, you're not allowed to say to him, Shalom, which means you're not allowed to stop. Stop between verse and verse, okay? Stop after v'chol modecha. And they say to him, apologize that you can't talk. Okay, this is again, this is someone who doesn't know the halachas, he doesn't know you're not allowed to speak in the, in the middle of Kriyashma. Don't embarrass him. The first passage, First, no, no. First pasuk, it's also in Shmonesre. If someone comes in the middle of Shmonesre, even if he doesn't know the halachas, and even if he's a simpleton who's never learned before, you're not allowed to stop. You're not allowed to do any insinuations. You're not allowed to hint him. You're not allowed to do anything. You ignore him completely. There's nothing one can do. This is a command we got from Hakadosh Baruch Hu that Hakadosh Baruch Hu said, when you're davening Shmonesre, ignore the world. So in that case, we're not doing any avera because Hakadosh Baruch Hu commanded us how to treat other people, Benodom Lachavero, also commanded us when to ignore other people. So we're just following his decrees. Yes? Someone, want, okay, this is a very good question. What happens if someone comes and he wants money and I'm certain that he doesn't need it for anything, he wants to buy his fourth apartment in the old city? Am I supposed to give him? Okay, first of all, since Docker is a mitzvah doraisa, the rule is sveika doraisa lechumra. If you're absolutely certain that you are willing to go to an Aaron Kodesh, open it, hold a Sefer Torah, and vow, okay, a shvua doraisa, that you know that this person is not poor and is collecting money for his fourth apartment in the old city, then the answer is no, you don't have to give him anything. How many cases do you have that you're absolutely certain? that he's not in need. In such a situation, give him a shekel. 
So a shekel was given to someone who's not in need. As they say in Yiddish, nishkefelech. Ah, nothing happens, it's okay. In most cases, you never know. You never know. Now there are people, if you believe that a person is a con man, yes, you shouldn't give him. But you have to have, it has to be clear to you that he is a con man. For example, what is it clear to you that he's a con man? The guy you stood behind him yesterday in the bank, and you heard, you hear him going to the clerk, uh, go, yeah, going to going to the going to the clerk sitting there, and the clerk says to him, "Well, listen, I'm really sorry, but the twenty million dollars that you've put in the bank, I'm sorry, but we had to take off two dollars, okay, for bank fees. So you now only have nineteen million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-eight dollars in the bank, and you were standing behind him when the clerk said that to him." And the next day he comes and he says to you, please, I don't have anything to eat. I have no money. I have nothing. And you've just heard that the guy is a millionaire. So in that case, I, I knew someone like this. I knew someone, but this with him, it was a mental disease. He used to sit every single Friday, somewhere here in Yerushalayim, at the entrance to a certain mikveh, collecting money. When he passed away, he left more than $5 million. Okay? Now, with him, it wasn't because he needed the money. He had, no, no, most of the money that he had wasn't from collecting tzedakah. Everything he used to collect, he used to put in tzedakah boxes himself. He, he had lots of Yerushas and all these things from his parents and his wife's parents, and they had no children. It was a mental disease by him, sitting and asking for money. So, you can ignore him, or you can give him a shekel and say, what happened? I gave a shekel to a Jew. Now, what can happen with that? Now, when you know that someone is collecting money to buy with it things that are forbidden, you're absolutely forbidden to give him anything. For example, many times you'll see people standing at different intersections here in Eretz Yisrael, and you can see from the way they look that they are addicted to drugs. And those people, for certain, are going to be using the money to buy another drug dose or to buy alcohol. Even if they need food, you want to do tzedakah, give them food. Don't give them money. You don't know what they're going to do with the money. Those are people that you can see from the way they look. They are drug addicts. Okay? What's called junkies. You don't give junkies cash. You want to give them food? Give them food. I, I once did that. I was shocked. It was, I was walking up Rehov Agripas here in Yerushalayim. And a girl came up to me. She must have been about 15 or 16. And she said to me, I'm starving. I haven't eaten. And I could see from the way she looks, she was a junkie. I went and I bought her. And one of Rehov Agripas, I bought her shawarma. It took me about two minutes to walk up Rehov Agripas. And I bought her the shawarma. And then I was walking up the road. And as I walked, I wanted to I turn my head to see what's happening. She finished the shawarma in less than two minutes. I mean, she was, she was absolutely starved. So in that case, yes, that's a good stalker. Buy them food. Don't give them money, because the money is most probably not going to be going to food, it's going to be going to things that are forbidden. Yes? What? Oh, okay. Now we're getting to an issue that I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk about this year, but we will refer to it since it was brought up. What, no, what do we do about cigarettes? Many people who collect smokes. Do cigarettes have, does the same rule applying to drugs apply to cigarettes? The answer is no. And why is the answer no? Even though most of today's Torah sages say absolutely and very clearly that you are not allowed to smoke. Because all researchers show that smoking is dangerous. Okay? 
And smoking is not only dangerous, it shortens your lifespan. There are psikas of Rabbonim who say that a person who smokes, you're not allowed to bury him together with other Yidden. He's supposed to be buried at the side of the, he's supposed to be buried outside of the fence, like someone who committed suicide. There are some who say that a person who smokes, okay, you're not allowed to allow him to join into a minion. Some say that a person who smokes can't be an aide, he can't be a witness at a chasana. There are many psikas. Now, there are various that a person who smokes, according to those poiskim, is v'nishmat of nafshoi seichem e'od, he's putting his life in danger. He is succumbing to his desires, to his negative desires by wanting to smoke. Okay? And not only that, it's an avera of velotasur, which means he's going against what G'dol Yisrael say by saying not to smoke. Nevertheless, even though most of G'dol Yisrael say you're not allowed to smoke, there are some G'dol Yisrael who say you are allowed to smoke. So we're not talking about something that is completely forbidden. Now, even if we take the world of drugs, there are situations where you are allowed to, to give someone money to buy drugs. What situation? Who can think about? Very good. A person who has a permit to use drugs for medical reasons. He suffers pain and the drugs help him to ease the pain. He doesn't have enough money to buy drugs. And he shows you the permit from the doctor. I'm allowed to buy drugs and I'm going to use the money now to buy drugs to ease my pain. That's not considered to be a junkie. That is a person who for medical reasons is allowed to use drugs. There's no problem giving him cash for him to buy drugs. Same thing with cigarettes. Since there are some of the Torah sages who say that you are allowed to smoke, or even if you're not allowed to smoke, but it's not forbidden to smoke, therefore, even if he takes the money and uses it to buy cigarettes, now, when you give tzedakah, you're always allowed to put, you, you are always allowed to give tzedakah and have certain terms put, okay? on this donation that you're giving. For example, I am allowed to give you a hundred shekel and say to you, this is only for buying groceries for Shabbos. Now, when I give that to you, one has to know that when you get money under certain stipulations and conditions, you're only allowed to use it for that specific purpose. You're not allowed to use it for anything else. Therefore, if you get money, for example, if your parents now have just given you, our dear son, we want to give you this, buy with this a washing machine you have to buy a washing machine without money. If you want to use it for something else, you have to ask your parents for permission. Now, if you're left with some money after you bought the washing machine and this money left over, you ask a rob if you're allowed to use it for other things. But the same thing, if you don't want someone to use it for cigarettes, you're allowed to give him money and say to him, listen, I know you're in need. Here, you came to me asking me for, 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 to give you charity to buy, to, to buy groceries for Shabbos so you can have a proper and decent and mechubedic Shabbos meal. No problem. Here's 200 shekel, but on one condition. This is only for buying the Shabbos necessities. This is not for buying cigarettes. You're allowed to do that. And he's not allowed to use the money to buy cigarettes. Yes? No, because I'll tell you why. There's, the, the question is a very good question. Even if someone, if I suspect, not, we'll not talk about suspect, talk about someone who I'm certain is a junkie. But since he might use the money for buying food, then maybe I should still give him tzedakah because if we said it's a mitzvah from the Torah, how do I know what he's going to use the money for? The reason is, is that we have in halacha, a halachic term called raglaim ladavar. Now, raglaim ladavar means that the thing has got feet. Now, what's, that's the, the, the literal translation. What does that mean? 
That means that there is what called, in certain situations, you have such hardcore evidence and you have previous knowledge that it's already become as a near established fact that that's what is going to use their money. All researchers show that the first thing junkies will buy when they have cash is drugs. They will starve. Many junkies, for example, who are found dead every single year die, die of starvation. They're so busy of buying drugs and of injecting these things to them or smoking them or sniffing them or doing all the other things they do with the drugs, they forget to eat and they die of starvation. So, in other words, we have here a near certain fact, which is backed by different researchers, that a junkie will most probably use the money to buy drugs. Therefore, since we have this, this is also an halachic term, I don't have to give him tzedakah. And as I said to you, you want to give him tzedakah, the best thing to do, give him food. He can't smoke it. Well, at least I think he can't smoke it. <laughs> Maybe you've got to ask someone who's more well-versed in what the in, in, in food engineer what you can do with food. Okay, he can't smoke it. He's got to eat it. Now, he might take the food. He might sell it to a friend of his for a few shekels and take that money and go buy with that drugs. But you've done your part. You can see he's hungry. You bought him food. What he does with the food is not is has got nothing to do with you anymore. The Shulchan Aruch in Siman Reish Mem Chet in Yoredea, in the 248th chapter, says that when we give tzedakah, we should try to give tzedakah from the best portion of our property. Now, where does that apply to us? I'll give you an example. Many times you'll see someone, he takes out, he takes out his wallet. Someone has asked him for tzedakah. He has three coins in his wallet. All of them are coins of five shekels. Okay, which is the equivalent more or less of a prox plus minus a dollar twenty, a dollar thirty. Now, two of those coins are very nice, brand new and shining. One of them has got a bit of this like brown, dirty taint to it. Now, our natural response is, well, we're giving tzedakah, I'm going to keep the nice coins. You take the filthy one. Absolutely not. When you give tzedakah, you've got to try and give it from the best part of your property that you have. Referring also to coins. When you give a note, try give the newest note. Not the oldest note that the sides have ripped at the side. And, okay, you know, I, oh, what a good opportunity. I can get rid of the 20 shekel note that's already torn in the middle. Here, take it for tzedakah. We'll read, the, we'll, we'll read to you what the Shulchan Aruch says. He who wants to merit for himself. You have, what you have to do is, you have to force your evil desires not to do good with other people and allow yourself, train yourself, teach yourself how to give and not feel that these things belong to you. Anything that you're doing in the name of Hashem, anything that's a mitzvah, will be of the finest and best thing that he has. And the Shulchan Aruch brings an example. If you're now building a shul, the shul has got to be a much more mechobedic house than your home. Sometimes we see this, and this is a sign of disrespect. You'll see people who live in mansions, these absolutely glorious houses. Got three floors and this electric gate and this beautiful garden. And the shul that he davens in looks like a cellar basement. The Shulchan Aruch says, absolutely not. A shul, a place for Hashem, has got to be much more important 
much nicer, much more beautiful than your home. The Shulchan Aruch continues, if you're now coming to feed someone, someone has come to your, someone has knocked on your door while you're eating lunch, and he's starving, and you're, you're asking him to join the meal, don't give him the leftovers, give him the finest portion. Why? Because you're doing a mitzvah. Mitzvah is supposed to be done from the finest portion. We need to remember everything that we have is from Hashem. And if we think that it's not from Hashem and therefore we'll keep the best for ourselves and when we come to do Hashem's mitzvahs and commandments we'll give the other person the lesser and the worst part, Hashem will very quickly teach us. You want to play with my property? No problem. You're going to eat that portion. Just wait. Continues the Shulchan I'm just going to finish what he's saying. Someone needs clothes, you're going to buy him money. Don't buy him the cheapest coat, the cheapest shirt that you can get. Buy him what you're wearing. I heard this incredible story. Someone told me that his daughter was getting married and a very rich person decided that he is taking it upon himself to pay for all the daughter's needs, all her clothes, everything. And do you know what this rich person did? His wife went out shopping. She went out shopping together with her daughter and with this person's daughter. Everything she bought for her daughter, she bought her. Exactly the same, if she wanted it. The same cost, the same quality. That's a shulchan aruch. You're giving someone's docker. You want to allow them to buy a coat? How much does, how much does the coat that you're wearing costs? 500 shekel? Don't give him 50 shekel to buy some cheap second-hand, you know, coat with a, what's called the holy coat, the coat filled with holes. You want to do the mitzvah properly? Do it the way you should do it. Give him the finest that you can give. Just like when we sacrifice a korban to Hashem, we've got to give the best behemoth, the best animal that we can find in our flock. Same thing when we do a mitzvah. It's the same thing with tzedakah. You want to give tzedakah? Give the finest tzedakah that you can give. Don't disrespect the mitzvah. Remember, this is you're doing this for Hashem. When we give tzedakah, we're doing it because Hashem commanded us to do tzedakah. Someone want to ask a question? Yes. So, a lot of times you go outside, like, and you were passing by a shawarma store, and there's flowers growing everywhere, and the guy tells you he's starving, right? And he says, no, I only want this shawarma. I mean, what the rabbi is saying is now that that's what you have to give him. Not that's what you have to give him, that's what you should give him. Now, again, if you have the money and you have the ability to afford to buy him a shawarma, if he goes to you and says to you, no, I don't want a shawarma. See this restaurant? This, is, this appears on the Michelin Guide. Okay? I want to eat there. 250 shekel first course, full meal, business price, only 700 shekel. If you have the money and you want to do the tzedakah properly, you take out 700 shekel, you give him. If you don't, you say to him, listen, sir, I'm really sorry, but I can't afford to eat in such a restaurant. I can't know you. I can buy you a shawarma. <laughs> yes. Someone has a house that's new and a shul that's not new. What obligation do you have to, 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 to upgrade the shul? No, no. The shulchanach was speaking about someone who's building a shul, not someone who's davening in a shul. But what that means is if you're now davening in a shul and you want to give tzedakah, now, this is not something that applies to a private person. It applies to the kehila as a whole. How can the shul, a shul, be with simple plastic chairs like this? 
Would you put those chairs in your house next to your dining room table? Well, if the answer is yes, then it applies to shul. But if the answer is no, if in your house you bought a dining room set that cost you $15,000, okay? I mean, we're talking here about extremely fine quality worksmanship and very good quality chairs. Then how can you sit in your house at the Shabbos meal on proper, mechubedic, nice-looking, expensive chairs and allow the shul to have simple, old, beaten-up plastic chairs? doesn't work that way. Well, person's personal obligation is to speak to... No, the, so you've got, you've got to speak to the Gabbai and say to him, listen, you know, I don't think that the chairs here are respectable enough for a shul. I think that maybe the Gabbai should speak. Maybe we should have a fundraising to buy new benches, new chairs for the shuls. I'll be willing to give a nice sum of money because I think it's important. It is. And you know something? That is one of the biggest differences between Ashkenazim and Sfarim. If you go to, pardon me, a typical Sephardi shul, a Sephardi shul is glorious. The chairs, they're all padded. They've invested so much money in making the shul a bet mikdash me'at, a small base of mikdash. Many times you go to Ashkenazi shuls, they've got no problem davening in some warehouse with plastic chairs, plastic tables, a bomb shelter, <laughs> okay, if you want to go deeper down. It's, a ve it's very, halakhically, it's very problematic. It's very problematic. A shul has got to be the place of God. A place of God is supposed to look like a place respecting Hashem Yisbarach. Not like a place where you just come to, oh, come on, you know, I've got a daven now, let's get it over with and quickly run out of here because there's a really bad old day in the shul. Maybe it's because we're on minus seventh floor, you know, under, under, under underground because we didn't want to spend more than 200 shekel rent a month. So that's what we got. It doesn't work that way. If we really thought properly and we realized that what we do for Hashem has got to be more important, we'd always think about what Hashem needs and what Hashem wants and not about what we need. Another important part about giving tzedakah is, is the highest virtue of tzedakah is what's called matan tzedakah basetil. Giving charity without anyone knowing about this act. Now, the best thing is more so, the Ramah brings in Yoredea, in Siman Reshmem Tet, 249, the Ramah brings that a person who constantly brags about the mitzvahs of Tzedakah that he does, he might, not even get a, he, might, he might not even get rewarded for that in the afterworld. Why? Because Hashem does not want you to brag about the mitzvah of Tzedakah. Now, the highest level of tzedakah is when you do not know who you're giving to and when the person who got doesn't know who you're giving, who, who we got the money from. That's why today the best thing to do with tzedakah is to give the tzedakah to a gabai, to someone who's in charge of giving tzedakah, to someone who you know that many times tzedakah money goes through him. You give him and say to him, please give it in quantity you want. You can also say to him, I'd like, please, for you to give this only to someone who sits and learns Torah. But then, the person who got the money doesn't know who the donator is. He only knows there was a middleman who gave the money. He passed the money from A and gave it to B. A doesn't know who got the money. B doesn't know who gave the money. That's the highest level of tzedakah. Why? Because no one's embarrassed. Imagine now, let's, let's get an example, okay? Imagine now, if I see one of you here in the street, and I can see that you're undergoing a difficult financial situation. And I open my wallet, I say, here, please, take 400 shekel, that's what I have. 
The next day when you'll see me, you'll be a bit embarrassed. No one likes being a person who takes. We all want to have the financial funds to be able to give. We'd all like to walk around in our pockets every single day with a bundle of $10,000, preferably in notes of 10, okay, so that we can give it to a lot of people, and just give stocker to everyone that we want. Everyone wants to give. Most people do not want to take. When they take, it embarrasses them. Therefore, when you give tzedakah, Matan Seter, in a hidden way, without anyone knowing who you gave to, no one is embarrassed. The person who got is not embarrassed, and you also don't feel uh, what's called a patronizing feeling towards that person who you gave him the money. You don't know who the money came to. Now, there are situations where there is a special Indian in publicizing the fact that you're the one who gave the money. Where? When one gives to a shul, the Rashba brings in his shut, he brings it in the first part in Siman Taf Kuf Pei Aleph, 541. He brings there a situation, he brings there a shayla that he was asked by a person who donated a shul and he wanted to have a plaque there with his name appearing that he donated the shul. And the Gaboim of the shul said, no, we're not interested. We don't want to have here anyone thinking that he donated. You want to give the money? No plaque, no, n nothing is going to be written that you gave anything to the shul. That's the way you want to have it. And at the time, they sent the shayla to the rashba. The rashba, Rabbi Shlomo ben Aderet, was one of the biggest rishonim. He lived approximately 750 years ago. He was considered to be the biggest poisek in Spain. Okay, he used to live in Toledo. And the rashba wrote a whole tshuva, writing that yes, they are obligated, the shul are obligated to write his name down. Mefarsamin osei mitzvah. Why? Because we have an Indian of having his name put down. What's the whole purpose? The purpose is, is that many times that's what attracts people to donate more money. Today, very rich people, what do they like donating more than anything else? Buildings. Why buildings? Because on a building, you put your name. It stays for generations. People will always know that you donate this building. People have a good feeling. Now, imagine if I build a fancy building and I put a lovely notice up that it was donated by so-and-so. It gives people, it gives people a yearning. Oh, I also want to donate money. I'd also like to have a building. I'd like to have the Elgrod building for Torah and Stoker. I'd also like to have that. Therefore, says the Rashba, you are allowed to put someone's name. And not only are you allowed to, there's also, not only are you allowed to, but there's also an advantage, not a chiyuv, you're not obligated to do that, but it's important to put someone who donated something to a shul, to put his name for everyone to see, because that brings people to donate more money. And the shulchan aruch paskins it, and you're there in Siman Veshwem Tet. The same Siman where he said that the highest virtue of stock is giving stock without anyone knowing, nevertheless, when the purpose of donating your name is for people to know that you've given this and for people themselves to give more money, you are allowed to give this. Another example, this was a shayla that I was once asked. There was a person who was very, very makbid never to have his name put on anything. But he's known in his kehillah as a very serious, a very, uh, a very established person and people trust him. And well, for the sake, we'll call him Mr. Cohen. And Mr. Cohen donated a large sum of money to build a shul. Uh, in his town. He donated, I think, about three or four million dollars. And he did not want his name to appear. But he said that the Gaboim came up to him and they said, listen, we have a problem. To build a shul, we need at least five and a half million dollars. 
Now, if people knew that you donated money for the shul and donated such a big money and your name appeared, people will give money. People will know that everything here is run properly. People trust you. Where you put your money, it's considered to be a good investment. And he called me and he asked me, is he allowed to have his name put on? And I said to him, yes. I said to him, since the purpose of having his name is not for him to feel proud about the act that is done, is not for the is not for his is not for him to feel that he's better than others, but it's to attract more people to donate money, yes. You are allowed to do that. Not only are you allowed to do it, in his situation, I told him, he's obligated to have his name put on the shul for people to donate money. The big, yes. Oh. In Job, in the 36th chapter, on the second verse, it said, Katar li ze'er if you wait a bit, I'll show you what I mean. You just now asked Ashaila, which is our next subject. The next subject is the highest virtue of tzedakah. The highest virtue of tzedakah is not giving tzedakah, but it's helping those before they fall. In other words, the Shulchan Aruch brings in the same chapter, 249, The highest virtue of tzedakah is not giving a person tzedakah. It's giving a person a loan. Giving a person a financial loan to help him establish himself, to make sure that he will not become needy. If someone comes up to you and he says to you, listen, you know, up till now I haven't had a panasa. I now thought of a wonderful idea, I want to open a business. My wife, Boruch Hashem Kanai Nora, she is an unbelievable ironer. She can iron so quickly, she does a wonderful job. We want to open a business in our house, we want to advertise, my wife is going to take in Different, uh, different, different, uh, different clothings, shirts, trousers, etc. to iron them. We will do deliveries. I'll pick it up. I'll bring it to the people. And that will be able to give us a good mechubedik panosa so that we can have a, a proper financial standing. But I need help. I need a loan of 10,000 shekel to start the business going to advertise, to buy my wife a good proper iron, to make sure that you know, we get the proper bags and, 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 and the proper hangers. That is the highest virtue of tzedakah. Why? Notice, everything is done here in a very respectful manner. You haven't given him tzedakah. You're giving him a loan. He's keeping his dignity. He hasn't taken from you something. For the time being, you've loaned him money and he's going to return the loan in a year, in two years. You've helped him establish a business. You've helped him, you've, you've helped him reach a good sturdy financial standing. That is the highest virtue of tzedakah because you're making sure that a person comes to a situation where he doesn't need to ask tzedakah. If we all had wonderful businesses that were very lucrative, made a lot of money, and we only had to be there for five minutes every single day, and every single month we get a check for twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars we all have that. We'd never have to ask for tzedakah for anyone, <laughs> you know, we'd only be those who give. So imagine if you can give me a loan for me to have such a business that I've only got to be five minutes a day, I just push the button, you know, okay, buy Apple stocks, buy Microsoft stocks, buy, I, I don't know, you know, buy all these things, five minutes a day and at the end of the month I get $25,000, $30,000. May we all have that, Amen. Uh, that would be the best stocker. And that's why the Shulchan Aruch Paskans, the best stocker is to help a person before he falls. Hold him before he falls. Loan him money. Allow him to have 
a good financial standing. Getting him a job is the same thing. If you have the power to allow someone who is in financial need and you know you have connections, you can get him a job, that is considered to be a mitzvah the rights of the highest level of tzedakah. Yes. Oh, okay. Very good, Shaila. In other words, am I allowed to give a loan based on the fact that a person is not allowed to give it back? Oh, so the question is, very good. Now, since we start up a business in Israel, the statistic says that between 70 to 80% of small businesses manage to collapse within the first two years and they don't, they don't, they don't continue. Am I supposed to, lo to loan him the money in such a situation where I know that the money is most probably not going to be returned to me? We have to separate the things. We're going to be learning this when we learn the Hilchus of Alvar, how to loan. When I loan a person money, that's one thing. When you're looking at it specifically as loaning, you're correct. You shouldn't loan a person money where he's not allowed to, when he can't return it. But if you want to look at it as docker, I'm not giving you a loan. I'm saying that it's a loan because it's a very good way to make you feel good about yourself. But I know that the money is most probably not going to come back to me. I'm giving it to you as docker. I'm saying to you a loan. And I'm expecting the money back. But in my heart, I'm already saying to myself, listen, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That's the highest level of tzedakah. Now, the sum depends on you. If, for example, you're my son and you ask me for tzedakah, and I say to you, my son, you want to open a business, take $10,000, absolutely fine. But if you're someone from the street, then I'll say to you, take $500, you know, that's all I can do. Know that the money is probably not going to get back to you. I'll take an example of me, okay? There's at least... People owe me, from people who have asked me for loans of money, at least 10,000 shekel. And I already know that I'm not going to get the money back. Why? But when I gave them the money, I knew I'm not going to get the money back. I gave it to them as docker. They said halva for them to feel good about themselves. But I gave them to docker. So that's the ratio. We finished today's shir. Bezos Hashem, we will continue Hilchot docker in three or four weeks' time, depending on the curriculum here, after Hanukkah. During the time of Hanukkah and in the next coming two weeks, we will be learning Hilchos Hanukkah, referring to Bezvas Hashem, the wonderful festival of Hanukkah that is coming upon us. Mm -hmm.